Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to another episode of the Gary Hour. I am your host, Gary Levitt. This week, I talked to Los Angeles-based comedian, actor, and writer, Reem Idan. Reem is a first-generation Iraqi-American. We talk about growing up Muslim in America. We talk about what happened that made her change courses in her life and drop her marketing job and pursue a life in comedy. Now, unfortunately, during our conversation... There was a big whoopsie deal, and uh, I looked over, and the recording had stopped. It had stopped recording, so I started it back up again and kept the conversation going, but some of the meat got lost. Nevertheless, I think it all makes sense, and uh, I know you'll get something out of this, because there's something about Reem's perspective and strategies that make her very inspiring. This episode is brought to you by Future Moments, makers of mobile apps for content creation. If you're a filmmaker, a musician, a podcaster, a voiceover artist, go to the App Store and search for Future Moments because there's an app that will make your life easier and your production so much better. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for links to Reem and to leave a review because that helps other people discover this podcast. But most of all, I hope you enjoy. So, Reem Idan. Idan, yeah. Idan. Idan. Reem Idan. Nice. Got a little flair there. Idan, yes. Idan. Uh, you're here in New York. You're visiting from Los Angeles. You're a comic. Indeed. Uh, you were raised uh muslim yeah you know half sunni half shiite full shit show aha uh-huh. full shit show muslim <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah you, i'm like oh this all makes sense now yeah. <laughs> in retrospect well i was raised a uh, christian scientist jew oh nice so we're like here representing world peace i think there you go and you know what the fact of the matter is no one can hate us as much as we hate ourselves you know what i mean <laughs> yes <laughs> it would be a lot of work yeah, yeah exactly oh that's an interesting background how was that uh well my mom is pretty traditional jew mm-hmm. not like She's very not religious. And my dad is a Christian scientist. Okay, so explain. All I know is they have the Christian science reading rooms. Yes. So Christian science is a pretty extreme religion where they believe in God so much that they don't believe in doctors. They don't, they don't uh, believe in any Western medicine. So if there's a sickness or anything, they just pray. Yeah. And they think that all sickness is kind of just like... Well, they call it mortal mind. It's not real. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder what the intersection is between that and like Eastern medicine, though, because I'm like I'm kind of into the wellness scene. Um, like naturopath. Yeah, like naturopath kind of stuff. Like I'm, mm. I'm into like learning about it, and I also like have some side projects in LA that I work on. Like I even produce a podcast um, through a, a organization called Den Meditation, mm-hmm. um, which is a dope podcast, and we get like people from like all walks of life, and there's like some who talk about like Eastern philosophies and like healing um, your body, not necessarily with your mind, but with like um, like meditation and then just like living a, a different, more intentional lifestyle and stuff like that, which Eat, is better eating, better and eating stuff and stuff like that. like that, which is more than praying. But I get, do they work hand in hand or is it kind of like just prayer, like French fries and prayer? The, the weird thing is, is they don't even really believe in nutrition. Yeah. You know, it's just, you just, you live your life and you're perfect because you're made from God. Yeah. So every, God, as long as you're in touch with God and pray, you will be perfect and perfectly healthy. Interesting. Yeah. They had to pass laws, I think, in the 80s where if you're raising a child, Christian mm-hmm. scientist, you have to get them medicine because ki- Christian science scientist kids were dying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because they'd get sick and they wouldn't take them. They didn't want to get them their shots. Yeah, I remember reading about stuff like that. Yeah, so it's kind of... So was your dad devout? Yeah, he's pretty devout. And did you get shots in medicine growing up? Uh, Well, luckily I was pretty... They're divorced, so I was raised Uh, mainly by my mom. And this is like a whole thing growing up where, you know, battles between them two making sure that I was taking my antibiotics when I had to. Yeah. You know? Oh, crazy. Yeah. Whoa. Even, okay. Are they allowed to take like Tylenol? No, they don't take anything. If, if they get a headache, they just pray it away. They go, oh, I have a headache. I just have to do some metaphysical work. Can you like smoke weed? <laughs> no, they don't even drink. They don't smoke. They, no drugs. Not Can even caffeine. Can you do CBD? Not CBD. But it's natural. Anything that alters your body or mind, they but don't. But CBD, there's hemp derived CBD. Mm-hmm. That I'm all about. That my parents know about. <laughs> you are definitely from California. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, listen. Well, I was born in Colorado too, so they're very interchangeable. I'm like, natural from the earth. Um, <laughs> so I read in your bio that you're first generation. First generation, yeah. So your your mom and dad are from Iraq. They are from Iraq. Okay, so you've heard of it. I've heard of it. Yes, <laughs> it's pretty popular around here. Yeah, I was, learned about my home country on CNN. <laughs> did you in, in around two thousand three? Yeah, exactly. You know, I actually have been to Iraq. You have. Um, well, I went, your your parents are from there. They're from there. Yeah. So my parents are both uh, from Baghdad, mm-hmm. and they met in Baghdad in the eighties. Mm-hmm. They have a great whirlwind kind of romance. Um, my dad was basically so it, it wasn't an arranged marriage, but it was like. Hey, he like my dad's sister knew my mom, and then it was one of those like 
they ask about you, like, does she come from a good family? Uh-huh. And then, like, the, he sends, like... What does that mean, a good family? Wealthy family? It, it means, like, no, not necessarily wealthy, um, but just respectable, like, good reputation. It's mm. all about reputations in the Middle East. Like, reputation is all you have. I even lived in the Middle East for a little bit um, in Bahrain, which is, like, a small island. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember reputation was, like, drilled into your mind. Like... You don't talk to boys because girls who talk to boys have a bad reputation. And like, whatever Old you do school. will stay with you. Yeah, it's so bizarre. So that kind of stuck with me even to today that I'm like, in everything I do, even good things, like with my stand-up, I'm like, I want to have a good reputation. Or like, I don't talk shit about people because I'm like, I don't want a bad reputation because that right. just was ingrained right. in but, the culture. But in their sense, a bad reputation is like a woman being too forward or a woman maybe... Oh, it's not even about being too forward. It's about like... a lot of it revolves around dating boys you know what i mean like that's a bad reputation like a good woman wouldn't even date yeah Uh yeah um i wonder if it's the same thing for guys i doubt it you know it's a oh the culture of devil standards Mm. it's yeah Ooh, this is a delicious topic because i was i was talking about this last night um because i'm here for the uh new york arab american comedy festival and Mm -hmm. so there's other female um arab comedians and we were talking about how like you know in an audience let's say specifically a middle eastern audience so guys get away with so much more they can talk about so much more including like topics like dating or whatever they go to sex or whatever drinking all these like ooh topics right and they can get away with it the second i go edgy not even like i'm pretty um i'm pretty pc but Uh i have slightly edgy material and the air just gets sucked out of the room like you can just there's just this weird and I don't even think it's intentional, but it's just when a girl says things, mm-hmm. they're just like, ooh, because like we're held to a different standard. Yeah. Which is, so I guess, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, you're supposed to be the beacon of uh, purity. Exactly. In some weird way. We are the white flower in mm-hmm. the garden. Yeah. Is that how your parents <laughs> raised you? Um, are as, they more As the white flower in the garden? Yeah, or just as, you know, not subservient in the pure sense, but more in the background, wait for the male to no, come. No, no, my parents are... Um, pretty liberal actually um yeah but you know they got they used to be strict growing up um so parents came from iraq they they met like i said um i didn't even finish that story sorry i jump around a lot in my I'll, mind. I'll, keep, I'll try and keep you on keep track. Me, yeah i'm it's funny because um i genuinely have add and i just am like i don't want that at all i think i'm good because i think i'll get to i just don't want to sweat and and <laughs> poop immediately is that what, what happens on adderall probably yeah yeah just to pop a pill and poop i'm not into that <laughs> that's that's what coffee's for <laughs> pop a pill and poop <laughs> Whoo, like <laughs> So you, um, your parents met in Baghdad. In Baghdad. My mom, it was one of those, like, is she from a good family? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my dad was going back to school in America because he has two masters and a PhD. And his daughter turned out to be a comedian. Who? Um, but he was like, I'm going back in a month. So when, when you say going back, so he got his master's here? He got one master's in Colorado. Okay. And then... Um, in what? In economics. And then statistics, and then IT. So I he was raised in Baghdad, and he came here to study. To study, that's okay. how. Yeah, um, I have I have a joke. I'm like, you know, Arabs came to this country either as students, refugees, or on a private jet. That's the only way we get here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so he had gotten a master's in Fort Collins, Colorado, at Colorado State University, and then he went back, and then met my mom, and was like, "Listen, I have a month before I go back to the United States. So if you want to get married, great, but we have to like get married and bounce." And so um, she's like, okay. Um, How long have they known each other when they got married? Um, uh, very, like, seen each other a few days. Like, did, they, did their families know each other no, before? No, my mom was friends with his sister. 
like best friends with his sister. So, but the families didn't know each other. So it was like a very official courting process. Was it kind of a blind date? It was like a, it was, no, you know, uh, my dad picked my, uh, now aunt and my mom up from school mm-hmm. and he drove them and he's like, do you guys want the ice cream? And then took her to the ice cream parlor. That sounds creepy. I know. <laughs> my dad was in a creeper van just like, you guys want the ice cream? I would pick you up from school. Uh, what about candy? <laughs> I mean, how much younger is your mom? 14 years. Okay. Yeah. So he's, he's picking her up from school. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny. Like I was doing the math. I was like. I'm 27 now, so if I were to date someone 14 years older than me, that's 41, yeah. right? Is that 41? Yes. Yeah. That's aggressive nowadays, but back then it was chill. Um, also in Baghdad, I don't know what... Is that normal? Yeah, that's normal. I mean, still, I think they're a little... Their age difference is a little more than normal. Um, like yeah. Wh- what's normal for... Like five years is normal. Okay. Like five years older, so, so maybe 14. 10. 14 is, I think, a big gap. It was still a lot there. Yeah. But mm. my parents are still happily in love. Like, they're the so good together it's crazy does she keep him young or does he make her old she keeps him young i think <laughs> yeah, but my good. yeah 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 but my dad is he's where i get my humor from uh-huh. so like i feel like he's young-hearted um but so they moved to america and then what happened oh my god i forgot i mean she just moved she left her whole she family left her whole family for this guy she barely knows yeah she had a month to get to know him and then they bounced what did her family think were they worried about that no because I think it was like a good opportunity. They're like, you know, like he's a good guy and mm-hmm. like he has a really good path ahead of him and he's going to America. Like this is a... Were they, were, did they have the thought of like, oh, it's going to be a better life for her? Yeah, it's going to be a better life. Although my mom came from a really good family. Like my... Um, very respectable, I heard. Very respectable family. <laughs> yes. Um, very good on paper. Uh, yeah. Excellent breeder. Um, but her dad was like a lawyer and like very respected. And so mm-hmm. it was so just... Why would she even want to leave Baghdad? I don't think it was just like, oh, like I'll, I'll go with him because he's going to America. It was just like, you know, he's a good guy. And my mom, she's really pretty. Like my mom mm-hmm. does not age. It's bizarre. Uh-huh. Um, and I know this because all of my friends' dads would hit on her throughout like my life. And every time I go out with her, everyone's like, oh my God, hitting on my mom. I'm like, stop it. Like, in front of you. <laughs> in front of me. I'm like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, look, I'm, I'm 20 years younger. What's up? No? Okay. <laughs> yeah. She's got more experience. Yeah. My mom's just like, oh my God. <laughs> um, but, uh, what was I saying? Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, this is a ticket to freedom. Cause back then things were great in, in Iraq. Like everyone was, my parents talk about it too. They're like, you know, we were a thriving civilization. Like even, I think like early, like the seventies and eighties, like Baghdad was booming, you know? It was. Uh, and now it's a completely different story, but what changed just foreign interference. Um, yeah. And was Saddam I mean, Hussein in power in the eighties? He was, he was in power, but that's the thing. That's kind of like the trade off um, is, yeah, he was a dictator and yeah, you know, like he did a lot of fucked up things, mm-hmm. but at the same time there was peace in the country. And right. so like, what's, what's it more stabilized. About, it was stabilized. Yeah. Like even when I went, I visited in 2000 and he was still in power mm-hmm. and it was, it was already kind of shitty at that point because of like, you know, the, the Gulf war and stuff like that. Um, but it just, you weren't afraid to go on the street. Like I was normal, like, you know, going out with my cousins and, and living life um but now there's no one hell i'd go back you gotta educate me a little bit because i know there's this there's different there's sunnis and shiites yeah so one branch was better off under saddam than the other was that right i think sunnis were better off under oh god i'm so i've it's so crazy because like this whole sunni versus shia thing has been a thing but for, not for, really for like forever forever but not really like i've lived in the middle east i saw them coexist you know like right. 
when I lived in Bahrain, which is, I think, a predominantly Shia country, um, everyone was fine. Like, so now it's different, I'm sure. But I just, there's a lot of things that are just, you know, media interference and just kind of like. From, From what, from your perspective, what we know about Saddam Hussein here Mm-hmm. Have we been given a lot of propaganda? Cause no. We a, no, it's, it's pretty accurate. I think accurate. It's, it's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. It's actually worse than, than what we know. But I will say like... Like the fields of dead people <clears throat> didn't... Like after the, the government, the US government invaded and they found a field of like 30,000... The graves. Bod- yeah, 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 the graves. That's true. Okay, so that's pretty bad. It's crazy. When I, when I was in um, Iraq, we saw his caravan drive by. And then we like, they're like, turn around because like they, if it was like his sons, they could like pl- like pick girls off the street, like little that one, I want that one. And then like you go and that's it. You just disappear? Yeah. Isn't that nuts? I was a fat kid though. I was like, nobody wants this. <laughs> I mean, that's good. Maybe yeah. your dad was like, let's fatten her up. <laughs> oh, I, they're like, mm. <laughs> So why would people go out to even see them if they could just grab someone off the street? And- I mean, but at the same time, that's what you hear. It's not like I was like, oh, this is a confirmed thing. You know, like that's right. what you hear. Right. But no one would go out and see them. I was just walking on the street, like going to the market or something. And well, I've just heard like, that about China. If you speak badly about the government, I heard this firsthand. Oh, yeah. That a van will come the next day and throw you in the van and you'll, you're gone. That's it's insane. Mm-hmm. Just for speaking bad about the government. There's a, um, this comic, Zainab Johnson, is that her name? She's, um, she's also Muslim. She's actually from Brooklyn. But um, I saw her do a set last week. And she was talking about how she did some shows in China and she was like Skyping with her manager and she just was not into China. Yeah. And she's, her manager was asking how it was and she's like, oh, I hate it here. Blah, blah, blah. And then her Skype just shuts down and she couldn't get it back up for like X amount of time. I was like, oh my God, no, that's so scary. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they keep stuff pretty locked down. Yeah. From what I've heard. That's, it's insane. You, we forget how lucky we are to be in this country. Mm-hmm. And it's also crazy that like humans would inflict this much power over people and like try to like control things it's insane to me yeah but there's there's a comic here this happened about eight months ago he made a joke on twitter about secret service Mm -hmm. uh just like some sort i forget what exactly what it was and then the next day or hours later secret service was at his door no yeah and they were questioning him and everything and that's crazy yeah he made a whole you know thing about it. he got some press out of it but it's pretty crazy that a tweet just from a comic. You know, I think I heard about this, actually. Was it about, like, Secret Service and Trump and something like that? And they were like... Yeah, there was... I forget exactly what it was, but it was yeah. some sort of play on words and play on, like, assassination kind of thing. So they are... Play on assassination. Yeah, okay, you know. that's that's the secret here. <laughs> yeah. They called the Secret Service fat, and they showed up at a store and said, no, he used right, the right, word right. assassinate. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I should find out exactly what it was, but they are listening. Yeah, I, I sent a text to my friend who I was performing with last night. Um, he's a great comic, Farouk Amira. But uh, he, we take, I was like, take pictures of me and I'll take pictures of you. And he didn't send the pictures. So I was like, send me the photos, terrorist. Uh-huh. And then oh, no. I was like, I know. And then I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially you. Being- <laughs> but also like, why would I be so on the nose? Like who uses that word? Who's like, hello, my fellow terrorist. Oh, like right, no right. one uses that. <laughs> <laughs> She's trying reverse psychology yeah. on us. She, is she or isn't she? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you are a Muslim woman. Yeah. So I'm sure that... Uh, you know, this is something that's you think about every day. Yeah, every every day. I wake up, brush my teeth, <laughs> <laughs> pop an Adderall, take a poop, think about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. My place in America. Yeah. 
So, all right. So your parents, your dad's very well educated. Did he come here yeah. for, for work or to finish studies? Okay. So he came here to finish studies. And the reason I'm here today was... Um, oh, I know why. I know oh, what they did. <laughs> <laughs> they made a freedom baby. No, they didn't. Um, so they actually had every intention of going back to Iraq. Mm -hmm. um, but in 90, which is the year I was born, is that the year the Gulf War happened? Yeah. Around there. Around then. Yeah. Maybe the year before. Um, that happened and their passports expired and the embassy shut down so they were like reverse exiled in the united states oh wow yeah so um then the kids popped out and they're like oh shit the guests would come to go back um which was like it, i joke about it now because i'm like it's great like i love being you know an american and living here and all the opportunities and stuff like that but it's sad for them because up until recently they hadn't gone back to iraq like they had totally assumed like oh we'll be there for a couple years um and then we'll you know come back and you know see our families and start our lives in Iraq, but that never happened. So it was kind of like they never got to say a real true goodbye. Right. It was just like, oh, shit, we're staying in this country. And then it just... So like, I'll sometimes ask my parents, like, is it crazy to you that your kids speak English as a first language? Like, mm -hmm. and they're like yeah, I never thought... Like, I, I love those moments of like, did you ever think that blah, 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 now it's blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're like, it's... I never thought my kids would be born and raised in the United States and like be living these American lifestyles. So how does that work out legally there? The embassy shuts down. We're at war. So they had to get like a lawyer and claim um, asylum. asylum. Mm -hmm. I think they claimed asylum, um, which is it's crazy. It sounds like a bureaucratic mess. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. Once I moved to Spain, like I was telling you earlier, that's when I actually got a genuine appreciation for what my parents did mm -hmm. to move to another country and start a new life. So right. like I spoke a little bit of Spanish before I went there, but it is so fucking hard to pick up and like start over somewhere new where you don't really speak the language. Like my mom yeah. basically learned English here. Um, I think she took a few years in, you know, in high school, but you know, yeah. Cause to, it's not even the language. It's the culture. It's the it's references, the everything, the references. Yeah. It's insane. And to like have to then have kids. And my mom was young when she had a, I think she was like 21 when my sister was born. I think she was like 23 or 24 when I was born. Wow. So like, I mean, back then that was normal too, but it's just like, imagine being in a country and like your kids are like, mama, and they say words you don't know. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? Well, why didn't they raise you speaking Arabic? They did. But, um, just by default being in this country, I mm -hmm. feel like English is, was what I picked up most. So I do speak Arabic. I speak, read and write. Um, you do. Yeah. But I prefer English. I so prefer Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there. I want to know yeah. why you left. So. So you were fluent in Arabic mm -hmm. as well. That's interesting. My parents used to force us to go to Arabic school mm -hmm. after normal school. So imagine going to school from like seven to three, then going home and eating. And then they're like, time to go to school again. And then I'd be in Arabic school. This was like two, two or three times a week. Oh, that's horrible. I hated it. I was like, <laughs> I hate it. Fuck this language. Yeah. Um, and then we would like cry. My, I have a younger brother and my older sister and I would cry like, no, please don't take us. And, and so they this would, is in Colorado. This is in Colorado. So mm. they would bribe us. They would like take us to like a grocery store and we'd get candy on the way there. And then on the way back, we'd always get fast food. And like, they wonder why I was a fat kid. Like literally this is how <laughs> I got fat for Arabic. Like, come on. Right. That was your reward. <laughs> that was my reward. I was like, I hate this language. I hate it. <laughs> so what was your, what was your dad uh, working? What was he doing for work here? Uh, he ended up becoming a professor at CSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now he works for the government. He does, I think, he works for like the USDA. Oh wow! He does, it sounds so much more cooler when I say the government. Yeah. He just like does like statistical. So here's where the machine stopped recording, and uh, I pick it back up again. Here we go. 
wrote a spec script. That's I uh, so through, and I can't get into the, too much of the details, but um, this like opportunity popped up where someone was like, "Have you written scripts before?" And I was like, eh, "No." I was like, "I don't, I don't know how." And they're like, "Well, you know, like, um, you should consider it because, like, you know, if you write a spec script, like, we can give it to the right people." And so I was like, "Okay." And um, I ended up right. I ended up teaching myself how to write in a weekend. Literally, I just got three scripts of the same TV show, and then I like taught myself. I was like, "Okay, it looks like there's like a conflict that's here, mm-hmm. and it comes back here." All right, cool. And then I just wrote my own version of it, and then it got into the right hands, and I ended up getting an offer as a staff writer on a really, really, really big TV show. Um, what which show was that? I can't. Even, uh, can't say. The the offer fell through. Okay. Like, because um, the budget got cut for new writers. And I was like, no, because it was literally like a Cinderella moment. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to, I wrote one script and I'm going to go on my favorite TV show. Right. And so, so it fell through. There's a lot of lessons in that too. Cause I was like, this is it, my golden ticket. And I've had to really like, no bro, you got to keep was going Was it a spec script for that show? For that show, okay. which doesn't even happen. They say it doesn't happen in Hollywood anymore. You have to write original shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like this fluke thing and blah, blah, blah. Um, but that ended up getting me a manager because I was like, when they got the call to get to be a writer on the show, they're like, you know, you should get a rep because just like, a, you know, for the contracts and stuff, but it's easy because you're a young writer in Hollywood with a job. I was like, cool. Um, so I ended up getting a manager at, um, did you, you call the management company? Or did they call you know, you? my sister actually works at a production company Okay, and, uh, she like when she found out the news, like flipped out and told like the people and they're like, Oh, she should talk to the person who reps our directors. And then like, that's how I got nice. repped there. Um, so that was cool. And then all of the offer fell through. It like taught me a lot about Hollywood. Like, I was like, oh, like, I see. Don't get excited until it's over. Don't get excited over. <laughs> until you sign the goddamn contract. Right. Like there's something happening right now. And like, I was supposed to sign the contract last week, but I'm not talking about it until I signed the contract. I'm yes. so ready. So we'll see. I actually just saw an email as I was walking in about like some from the company. I was like, did you check uh, it? No. Cause I was like, I'm not going to look at it. I want to sign the contract before I look at any more things. Right. Um, yeah. That's in the entertainment industry. You just can't really get excited until it's, till it's done. Yeah. And even when it's done, it's like, what if it doesn't get released? Right. Um, so that's how I got writing representation and act. Yeah. That's how I got management. Mm-hmm. And then, but from there I had to like follow it up. It's like, cool. You got like a golden t- there, you know, that opportunity didn't work. What are you going to do now? Right. And that's when I was like, okay, cool. Got to write another script and then wrote like an original script. And then I just started hustling. It was like getting more gigs. And then finally like asking around now that I have that network of people in LA who like either work at management companies or agencies or other like production companies or whatever it is. It's like, Hey, you know, I'm looking for this. Hey, do you know anyone like, and then it's more, it's less of a like, you know, submitting your scripts to agencies and hoping that they'll find, they'll read it. Cause that shit doesn't work. Maybe right. it does, but it's Send better to have, cold. yeah, it's yeah. better to like have friends and then be like, prove your like prove that you've been doing things because i'm so much more likely to get something or be recommended if they're like oh this is reem like she got this this and that she's performed here and she's like doing all these cool things it gives you like some clout and so like that's how i got my agency and then i just recently got a college uh agent from just performing so just keep performing and keep doing it and Mm -hmm. like establish yourself instead of like hoping that you'll get discovered it's like no i don't need to get this i'll fucking work until it's there right and then and also write this shit down. Because literally, like, a year, I was like, I just want a manager and an agent. And then it, like, started happening. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I had to write it down and really, like... What do you mean write it down? It. You wrote down your intentions? On, like, a goal. Yeah, my intention. I was... So I had, like, a goal list. You do? You write... No, I have, like... Set, they're fucking everywhere. I don't, there's not even one consolidated list. But I remember writing down... I think it was, like, oh, like, a New Year's list or something, like, two years ago. Mm-hmm. 
And then it ended up happening. Some shit doesn't happen, like losing weight. That's always just... Did you write that down? I always write that down. It's literally like all I wish for on birthdays. I'm just uh-huh. like, please, I want to be skinny. <laughs> so what do you call... Because I've heard of that before. You write you write down your intentions. Mm-hmm. And for to some, manifest it or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And is, it there, there must, is there a power to that? I don't know. Something about writing it down? I think there is. Oh, absolutely. I mm-hmm. think like when you write it down, whether it's a any goal, it's just... It's your truly putting intention behind it once it's on paper and it's not just a thought it's like a joke when you have a joke in your mind yeah you're like i'm gonna remember it no you're not right you're like it's no. gonna go away yes or you know it'll get distorted you but when you write it. it down it's there you know it's it's solid it's something you can hold in your hand yeah this is cool because this is i lived in i lived in la for four years mm-hmm. and when i moved to new york this was a big difference between the two places yeah new york is not as into self-help kind of things yeah as los angeles yeah that's kind of pretty common i totally totally see that yeah right in mm-hmm. los angeles a lot of people have uh these kinds of affirmations they have manifestation board parties yes manifestation boards right where like you just get a bunch of magazines and you just snip snip and you post it up mm-hmm. i was invited i mean i would have gone to be honest but i had a scheduling conflict but like, <laughs> it's so much more fun to talk shit and be like yeah well i was gonna go <laughs> so you you put it on your wall you might put like Every day, I am yeah. great. I am worthy. No, that's, that I don't get stuff. that into it. No. Um, there's a cafe called Cafe Gratitude <laughs> yes, in LA, and yes. all of their menu items are like, oh yeah, it, literally, they're named like gratitude, and one's like, like happy, and one is like sentimental. And when you order, you have to go, I am sentimental, and then they respond to you, I'm like, yes, you are. It's like, what? Shut yeah. up. Like, come on. I, I was at the one in Berkeley. It's pretty painful. Uh, it's so painful. I was like, I don't. <laughs> I am voluptuous. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's no. the salad dish. <laughs> yeah, it's the salad. Do you want to, do you want fake bacon on there? I'm like, you mean coconut? No, thank you. <laughs> do you want bacon? No. Um, but you know, I actually this is cool. I love finding these lists uh-huh. and being like, oh shit, and like checking it off and forgetting that I'd written it. But I have. Do you re- do, wait, how often do you refer back to them? Not that often. Whenever I find them, because okay. I'll put them on a paper and I'm like, I'm going to put this up and I never put it up. I'll lose it. Right. But then I'll find them and be like, oh shit, I accomplished that. But I have one board in my room that I filled out in like 2014 or 15. I had just gotten back from Thailand and I was jet lagged and I couldn't sleep. And I was like, this is actually when like the, the wheel started turning to mm-hmm. do comedy was um I was traveling and I just remember like my friends were like, you're so funny. You live in LA. Like you don't, do improv or like acting. And I was like, no, no. And like, I gave myself, and we always give ourselves excuses. Like when I have an office job, no, no, yeah. yeah, I should. And then I just started like thinking about it more and more. And I was like, why, why don't I like, why am I giving myself these excuses? I'll take an improv class or I'll take it whatever. Um, and then I got back from Thailand and I was like up all night and I was like, what do I really want to accomplish? And that's where this actually all started. Oh, I should give that night way more credit than I give it. Um, well, I just sat there and I was like, okay, I am. And then I just wrote like, I see myself as like an actor and a host and a comedian and um, a digital nomad. She was like, you just, you know, work off your laptop wherever you are. And then all these different things. And I've accomplished a lot on that. Like it took a while of like staring that poster every day and I woke up and I was like, interesting. And I'd look at it and be like, okay, cool. So what do you do? You see these things, you see these manifestations that you want to create. Yeah. And you do, but you actually have to do the work. You You have have to stare at the board. Yeah. Well, you look at the board to be reminded because like Mm -hmm. you'll forget. So and that keeps you on track rather than just like scrolling through Facebook or yeah. shopping on Amazon. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just look at the board. And I'm like, hmm. So there's some things I haven't accomplished on it. I think like 30 under 30 is on there, like the Forbes list. We'll see if that happens. I don't uh-huh. know. But I'm like, why not? If I wrote it down and all this other stuff is happening, then mm-hmm. you start to like convince yourself that it's worth. You're like, well, if this could happen, 
well, that could happen. And then... Right. And the, if, if you believe it could possibly happen, yeah. maybe it like becomes like a part of your energy. Totally. Well, even then, just believing it, like you have to believe in what you're doing. Like if you don't believe that you can actually do it, right. then you actually stop yourself because you'll be like, no, I'm not as funny as them. No, I'm not as good. No, whatever. And then you're the one who like limits yourself from applying for things because you don't think you're good enough right. or you don't think it's possible. Um, I'm not saying like believe in the foo-foo, woo-woo, like I'm going to be a, a, a leprechaun. And then, you know. Well, it's weird with stand-up because sometimes you feel like you're really funny. Yeah. And then sometimes you feel like you're not. Well, that's the audience's fault. <laughs> well, that happens. You yeah. know, you could have the exact same set that you know kills. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's just the wrong audience or the wrong time. Exactly. Always blame the It's never our fault. They just don't get it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're not laughing? Okay. This is too elevated for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, in Los Angeles, how often are you able to get up there and do stand-up? Like a couple times a week. Mm-hmm. Sometimes more, sometimes less. Yeah. Um, but generally, I have like every week, a few times a week. It just depends. I, I When I'm writing something, like I'm just about to start writing something and I like go away. Like I don't perform mm. as much. Like you it, disappear into the I writing? I disappear. Yeah, I disappear. Because I just, I have to put my intention in one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will still do stand-up if someone comes after me. But like the hustle of it to get on shows, it's not like, like I have representation and stuff, but like. They're not booking me on the small shows, you know, right. like they're not booking bar shows. They're for not you. booking bar shows. Yeah. You know, yeah. my dad called me the other day and he's like, I saw a comedian. Uh, she, her name is one. Uh, I was like, Ali Wong. Yes, yes, yes. You know, she's performing at the theater to thousands of people. Um, why don't you do that instead of bars and restaurants? Right. I was like, Brilliant. well, yeah, I was like, <laughs> well, God, I just can't imagine. I haven't thought yeah. of that yet. I was like, well. Ali Wong to get to this big theater probably performed at bars and restaurants, right? Right. Um, so yeah, like I still have to hustle when I'm focused on something. I'm not like, well, how can I book up my next Tuesday night, the night I need to spend writing, you know? And, and what is the end goal? Like if you have, do you have one end goal or are there are several? I just want to be funny for money. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to be honestly, um, I really admire Amy Schumer's career. Mm-hmm. I think um, just to like be in control. Like she's in control of her voice, right? So she, she writes and she acts and she produces and she's done sketch and she um, is in film and she does stand up and she has her specials and like she's just power. She's a powerful voice and you say that name and it resonates, but right. um, she has her own brand. I feel like that's what I like because I don't want to just be a writer or just be a stand up or just be an actor. Like I want to do it all. Um, do you think if you obtained her kind of fame, like, you know, she's a multimillionaire, mm-hmm. do you think that would affect your drive if all of a sudden you're? Your manifestation board is on like this humongous mega mansion with gold walls. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think so. Would it be hard to stay driven? I don't think so. Cause I'm not necessarily driven by the end goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I am, but just from meditating and like reading these books and stuff, I'm actually, I'm, I've become more about the journey. Um, I even wear a bracelet that says like create your, like it's his journey on it. Um, journey like the band <laughs> well it says create and then journey on the other side to like uh-huh. remind me like i'm creating my own journey and also it's like be present um and so i've gotten better about that to like not be like well, what's next what's next what's next and just be like this is fucking cool this is fucking cool this is awesome take this in um right so i don't th- i don't think so i mean money is gonna be like i know the money is gonna come hmm. i've just started getting paid for stand-up but not like doing <laughs> making a little money but it's not what's driving me. It's like a cool bonus. I'm like, oh, great, great. I know it's, I know it's going to come. I don't know how else to put it, but like, it's not, when it does come, I'm not going to be like, whoa, holy shit, you know? Like, right. so. How are you so sure that it's going to come? Is this? 
I just think because I finally started believing in myself. Like I finally started doing, you know, what I should be doing. And when you put that much effort and intention into something and truly make it like your your art form and your business, when mm-hmm. you start treating yourself like a business, which is what we are, yeah. then just I get always better. Say that. Artists are entrepreneurs. We are, yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, you, you were an entrepreneur, like... Uh, enhance your product and make a better product keep putting it out there like if you're gonna like be releasing this awesome you know products and eventually there's gonna be a market for it so i'm just building my market right but not I'm, i mean i'm not saying this to put any doubt or anything totally. but some talented people just never make it totally but you pivot if, I, I didn't say the money's gonna come from stand-up mm. i said the money's gonna come. like i know that i'm at least putting an effort to you know enhance my skill set and do all these different things and like i said there's writing there's all these different things i just have identified that this is the path i should be on and i know for now for now for now yeah right. um and then if that's the path you should be on like embrace it and something along the way will lead you to more success right do you think this is tied into your uh spirituality at all i think so mm-hmm. i think it has to be well i don't know it's either that or just i've got yeah because i've gotten content like i'm not saying i'm settling i'm still very much you know seeking a better lifestyle and, and things like that but i'm content with where i am and and i'm riding this wave and i think that came from meditation it took a lot of meditation to get here and a lot of self-acceptance to i mean i really did struggle um especially seeing my peers like get promoted and you know move on and like their entertainment industry jobs and i'm like oh, the fuck i'm like your peers when you were doing marketing when i was doing marketing yeah like they're all getting like doing you know these things and like really nice salaries and stuff like that and like all the nice cars and i'm still driving my car from high school i'm just like yeah, right. chill i don't I don't need these expenses. Like I even spend money in a different way. Not cause I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be like, you know, um, cheap, but I'm just like, I just don't, I don't need a new car. Like I just right. don't like, cool. I'll, I'll get, if I want something, I'll buy it. But I'm like, just be chill. I'm whatever. It's going to, it's going to work out. Right. You, but you don't subscribe to that. Uh, act rich and you'll become rich. Just uh, spend all the money you want. Yeah. Sometimes, then- sometimes I'm like, yeah, just, yeah, I sometimes pretend. I'm like, it's, it's fine. Uh-huh. It's, it's fine. <laughs> That's a dangerous philosophy right Super there. dangerous. Oh, when I got that writing job, I started spending money I didn't have. Right. And then I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> it, took, it took a second to get out of that hole. I yeah. was like, uh-oh. Yeah, it, it's so admirable, the dedication that you have to it. You know, like, you. So if you were meditating during your marketing job, do yeah. you think you would have been more jazzed about it? Mm, I was meditating, but not as not. I had meditated like during different parts of my life. I didn't just start meditating then. I can't remember when I started meditating, but I think I had like done it once a year or like twice a year or there seven times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, no, because the entire time I was like, I know I should be doing something else. I know, and like people kept being like, "But you work at Disney or like you have a cool job," and I'm like, "Yeah, but I know I should be doing something else." Right. Um. Actually, I remember my friend. This is my friend was like, "Let's go to like a crystal party." It was like a full moon party, and I was like, "Okay." Uh-huh. And I went, and um, it was just, like a bunch of girls, and we were in like a chandelier shop that they let us use. So it was kind of cool. There was like lights and stuff, and we were like in a circle, and they're like, "All right, now with the divine feminine power inside of you, tell us something." I forgot, and I just like, I had a moment where I was like, I just feel so stuck, and this was when I was at my marketing job, so. I was doing hippy dippy shit. Yeah. And I was sure meditating, but I was like, I just feel so stuck. I was like, everyone looks at me and says, you have this awesome life. I was like, and it's fine. It's I'm grateful, but it's just like, I'm not, you're making good money. Yeah. Steady. Yeah. Income. Yeah. And I was like doing cool things. I once got paid 
overtime to go to Disneyland right. and got front of the line access to like everything. And I was like with a group of mommy bloggers and there was a point where they were like chanting my name and I was like, this is the fucking happiest day of my life. Like this is, uh-huh. this is as good as it gets. <laughs> um, but I was, even with that, I was just like, just, there's something wrong and I can't figure out how to articulate it or what needs to be solved. Mm-hmm. So what makes you feel satisfied? Is it satisfying to just like write a script that you're happy with, yeah. do a stand up set you're happy with yeah. or to get, hired and get the accolades or it was is is it when you deliver a joke as you intended or is it when the audience applauses applauds oh you know what i've thought about this recently because i try to keep my ego in check but i feel like a lot of a lot of the initial rush comes from the recognition mm-hmm. and i think that just just stems from my childhood and like wanting to do good for my parents to be like good job you know right. pat on the back um and the recognition is the, is audience. the audience laughing yeah. yeah or it's like my script is hot or whatever it is. Or like people saying like, Oh, this is and that. Or, when you like, hear a buzz from your script. When I hear the buzz. Yeah, yeah. That that's, I don't know if that's like the goal, but that's a really nice like feedback mechanism. Where I'm like, right. Oh yeah, I'm doing something right. And then I feel like I'm doing something right. But isn't that a very, it's sketch- such a slippery slope. Yes. Cause you're, yeah. you're hanging your hat on like other people. Exactly. And I've had, I've, I'm, I'm happy that I'm aware of it because I feel like that's a really big step. I'm like, oh shit, like don't just right. You can't let the wait. audience decide your yeah. happiness. But you know what? That I think um, I learned a lot from that writing gig that fell through was when I really was turned on to like because I was like, I'm gonna be that girl who writes on the show and blah 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 blah. And I like had built up this ego for myself. I'm like, mm. this is my image and blah blah blah. And when like the rug got pulled from underneath me, I was like, oh wait, what? And then it was more of like, okay, well you're still that same person, right? Maybe not with that title. Right. Maybe not, you know, with the recognition. And that's when I started to be aware of it. So I'm not going to lie and say it doesn't give me a high, but I'm super aware of it. I'm like, oh, this is nice. Right. So how do you figure that out within yourself? That's a great question. Because <laughs> it is a slippery slope. And, so, yeah. You know, I perform a lot. I won't say the club, but it's not a, it's a club for mostly tourists. Yeah. So it's not really my audience. Yeah. You know, I do kind of more edgy, darker stuff. Yeah. This is like middle America. <laughs> but for some reason, I perform there a lot. Yeah. I'm waiting for them to find me out. <laughs> no, <laughs> nice. Not the right person for this club. But um, I, the audiences vary, but they're mainly, you know, pretty mainstream America. So I've decided to not let, when I try new material, yeah. I don't let them decide. I try to like figure out, is this what I want to be saying? That's great. And then sometimes it gets a laugh. Sometimes it gets a, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I get, I'm afraid of those audiences. Uh, yeah it's i mean until we get to a place where the audience is coming to see us yeah you know we're like oh we know what reem does we like we like her brand of comedy yeah. we're go- and then it's your people yeah exactly it's so much better that way yeah uh, i could imagine i can wait for that day please let it happen soon uh-huh. <laughs> we're here just for reem do you see that is that on your board yeah, that's not on my board yeah it should be on my board i haven't i haven't board. detailed it out that hard mm-hmm. i should i should go through and make a that board is a couple years old. We got to make a new board. Where you're drawing people that like your brand of comedy yes. and are familiar with you and your whole thing. That's a great, what a wonderful thing to come from this podcast besides the great conversation and wonderful <laughs> tasting water that I was offered. Um, <laughs> it's the water. The water's better here. Yes. Um, yeah, that's a great thing to add. I think I need to get, I'd like to go through my, my list and just make it more specific now that I have If you want to send it to hold. me, I'll, I'll edit yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Put it on your board. Yeah. <laughs> It's like taping it up to the wall. Like. You want me to edit your manifestation board? Yeah. I also want to be 125 pounds. <laughs> That's written there every like three spaces. Yeah. It's like 125, 125. It's like in all my passwords. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, <laughs> do you don't know where. Do you talk to you, your Muslim parents about all this meditation and spiritual stuff you do? Uh, 
um, not in detail, but they know about it. They know that I, you know, produce the podcast and I meditate all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this doesn't involve a god. That's you know fine. I mean? I mean, it's not religious. It's, it's not religious. It's just, it's just a practice. Do they find that hedonistic or no, not blasphemous? No, but I keep being like, whenever they visit LA, I'm like, do you guys want to go to the den and meditate? And they're like, no. <laughs> like, have what? you ever have they ever tried i mean now but i want them to it's not that they're against it. they're just like Ugh. my dad literally is just like i don't want oh God, i don't want to sit down in a room or what and sit in silence no right. have, like, you, have you told them your theory of how you've merged buddhism with islam yeah no <laughs> no we don't have that deep of conversations yeah um i think it's something with growing with like immigrant parents it's just like there's some things that you just there's topics you just don't touch like it's just I don't know how to explain it. It's just too much effort. It's too much backstory and like, I don't want to get into an argument and I'm not going to change anyone's opinion. So I just kind of like, like to keep it light, you mm-hmm. know? Would you say it's a more superficial relationship? Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I was kind of, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'm really close with my parents. They know everything, but I don't get into like philosophical debates. That's also right. not my personality. I don't like debating. I don't right. like... I'm, like, I'm not confrontational, so I'm like, eh, whatever. And that's that's the negative byproduct of like meditation is like sometimes I have no opinion. I'm like, oh, whatever, that's cool. Yeah, whatever. Like I'm the rock, and you're just floating over. Yeah, me. <laughs> literally. I'm like, y'all are just a bunch of rivers, and I'm the rock. I'm chilling. Um, yeah. Well, you don't want to be like the, uh, you know, hyper angry. Yeah, Muslim. <laughs> not even or, or Buddhist. You yeah, know? true. Well, I just don't see the point in getting angry about things. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Well shit hit the fan so let's figure out something around it or like okay well he sucks so right um no i just like i also like when i was growing up it was like there's certain topics you don't tell your parents you know you're like keep it's almost like leading a double life sometimes i wrote a script about this called brown sheep but like brown sheep yeah i'm like sometimes like you have one life going with like your american you know life and culture and stuff and then like the life that you have with your parents and culture and traditions and stuff and they very rarely intersect and when they do it's weird and Mm -hmm. like it feels like you're two different people and then it's just bizarre so a lot of topics like dating and stuff like i can't talk to my parents about that it just doesn't feel right like when and it's not that they don't know i've dated like um they knew that i had my last boyfriend and stuff but like i remember my mom just had a moment and she's like do you love him and i was like don't talk to me about this like (laughs) don't i don't want to make eye contact with you like don't it was just so weird because like especially growing up, like they were way stricter when I was younger. And so like, that's where I learned how to interact with them was like, mm, okay. Right. Growing up with them in Fort Collins, Colorado and mm-hmm. they're, they're Muslim. Yeah. I was actually in Fort Collins, Colorado oh, cool. in around 2003, very soon to when George W. Bush declared war on yeah. Iraq. Yeah. And we we're in a, a 
bar or a karaoke bar. Yeah. And uh, they blasted that Toby Keith song. <sighs> we'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American. And everyone's like chanting, raising their beer. And I was like mortified. Oh my God. And I actually went, sat in the car and I waited for my hosts who was wow. putting me up for the night yeah. to come back. I was like scared. And Damn. I'm, you know, and I don't look like the enemy. Yeah. Were you frightened? I was in the Middle East during that. So You're, were your parents in the Middle East as well? No, it's crazy. I mean, I experienced reverse racism as like that you an American. Look like an American. I, well, I sounded like an American. Right. Um, I remember the kids used to make fun of how I said apple. They're like, apple. I was, it's apple. I was like, shut the fuck up. Like right, we right. made the language. We didn't. But so um, your parents weren't in the States when? No, we'd only come back for some. So I was gone from 2001 to 2004 or 2005. Um, but uh, we'd only come back over summer break. And so I wasn't in school. So I didn't really deal with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never experienced that chunk of Arab Muslim lucky. racism. Yeah, that's what people tell me. Like, I really got lucky. Like, I've heard horror stories, like people getting their hijabs pulled off mm-hmm. or like spitting gum into hijabs and mm-hmm. like just all this aggression. I mean, I don't necessarily look too Arab either. No, you so, don't. So, like, I don't deal with. People probably looking like there's something not American about yeah, her. Yeah, they're like, she looks dangerous, but I don't know how. Right, um, I can't figure it out. Probably. Ethnically ambiguous is what they call it in the biz. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just, I haven't dealt with a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I'm also like very outspoken and like I sound American, you know, so. Do your parents look more Arabic? We don't really look that Arabic, no. I mean, my dad, no, not really. Like we mm-hmm. could be anything. They could be Italian. My mom does not look Arabic. She's super fair-skinned. Right. Um. Yeah, my family unit, not really. So even at that, like maybe a Colorado people are nicer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do know that that's something people say about folks from Colorado's are just nicer. Yeah. But I do know that there was racist shit that went on there. So did you feel any difference between when uh Obama was in office and now with Trump in office? Is there mm. how so? Just like, you know, because he's kind of drummed up fear of anyone yeah. outside of America. I don't know. I live in a nice Los Angeles bubble, but I will mm-hmm. say like, I'm wary of like doing colleges in the middle of America. Like I just don't know how people respond. I'm very aware too. Cause a lot of my act is about being Muslim, Arab, you right. know, Arab glitch. You kid. talk about it. Yeah. A lot. And yeah. so it just interests sometimes like if it's like, I'm, I am afraid to travel with it. I mean, I go international with my set all the time and people love it because they're like, Oh, like, you know, cultural idiosyncrasies and like, oh my God, my parents are whatever, wherever your parents are from could get lost in translation, right? Because we yeah. all have, you know, those moments. So it travels well internationally, but like, I don't think I would do well in the South. Um, right. So. Right. When you said I'm a, from Iraq, they'd yeah. be like, mm. Ooh, this Mexican is Arab. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Where'd they breed those? Um, shawarma burrito. Uh, or but, maybe you'll be surprised if you find the right place in the South. That's true. I also think, yeah, I was talking to another uh, comic her name's uh etheria coob and she she was on this podcast oh she was she was yeah. oh yeah i yeah. love her mm-hmm. she um she's palestinian american yeah and uh but she's from alabama and i was like what? yeah and so yeah so i'm like curious to talk to her about like what it's like and she was there. back and forth yeah and so like i think a lot of it's funny because i reverse stereotype people i'm like oh you're from the south you must hate me you know and so i feel like that must breed a lot of conflict too is mm. you know expecting to be hated or expecting to be treated differently right whereas I'm, I'm sure a lot of that's rooted in truth but yeah why did you go back to the middle east in 2001 um uh, 2001 that was my my parents wanted us to have like a cultural experience so we moved to bahrain 
Okay, um, they took you there. And yeah. it was right before 9-11. Right before 9-11. Boy, did you get lucky. I was like, what the fuck? Like, right. so there's no Taco Bell here, and now all of a sudden... <laughs> right. So you were, you were exotic American in, until yeah. 9-11. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it was like all this anti-American stuff, probably. There was, uh, there was some protests, yeah. Um, I mean, I never felt threatened for being American, but I just remember people being like, oh, you're American. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, you know, you'd see some protests in the street and like... I think I've seen like an American flag burn and I was like sitting there like they don't know who I am. Now, did that happen when uh, George W. declared war on Iraq? Yeah. That's when. But then it was like super interesting too because I'm American Iraqi. So like I was like, wow, every which side of me hates every which side of me. You're at war with yourself. I'm at war with myself. (laughs) That's why I'm like even the half Sunni, half Shiite, full shit show. Like it's a shit show being me. Yeah. What what was the perspective over there of George Bush declaring war? Oh, everyone fucking hated him. Everyone was like, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure is the sentiment towards Trump too, but I haven't been back. Even though they knew that Saddam Hussein was a yeah, brutal dictator. To- yeah, I mean, some people were like, yeah, but like Saddam sucks. I remember people saying that, like, well, but it's better than Saddam and stuff. But then when you saw it played out, you're like, oh, fuck, okay, this war is deadly. Like, you know, people are losing everything and their families uh-huh. and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was mostly a negative sentiment. It was. It was crazy. It's so, re- it's so crazy to talk about this because... It just feels like a different life. It feels like a story I'm telling you. Right. As opposed to something I lived through. Yeah. Well, you were younger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess we all... We're older now. Yeah. Don't say that word. That's the one truth. Yeah. Fine. Talk about living in the now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, no. <laughs> Time doesn't... Have you... I have the power of now on an audiobook. Uh-huh. And Eckhart Tolle's voice is so funny. He it sounds is. like a robot. Yeah, it's very easy to fall asleep. To. So yeah, I'm like the power of wait, hold on, goes um to embrace the now. Oh, I can't even do it. Yeah, I I can't even tell where he's from. He's German. He's German. Yeah, I couldn't even tell. He's I was like, German. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I read the book and I was like, wow. And I listened to the audiobook and I was like, I'm having trouble listening to it. It's one. Of, it's the only audiobook that's easier to read than listen to. Yeah, it's so funny. I'm like, okay, what did he just say? And I have to like go back and like, huh. Yeah. I'm like, well, great. Now I'm not being in the now. Now I'm in the rewind. Right. You should do everyone a favor and you read the audiobook. Yeah. And put it out as an alternative. The power of now. I have a great voice for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, you're here in New York. You're mm-hmm. doing some shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly at Gotham for the New York Arab American Comedy Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did the stand-up New York last night doing a show in brooklyn i'm doing the living room tonight in brooklyn nice have you done that show the living room show mm-hmm. at postmark cafe yeah yeah i did yeah yeah it's in yeah okay. trying to remember it's in dumbo it. oh good so it's not too far not too deep brooklyn yeah no okay yeah why is that place called dumbo down under the manhattan bridge overpass it's an acronym oh yeah the old acronym white person did that didn't they <laughs> probably <laughs> real estate developer did it to yeah. make it sound cool it's really just like a noisy noisy area yeah. under a subway and a bridge that's true and like we got to make it sound cool so people want to move dumbo. here yeah, yeah that's true i love the dumbo mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like bushwick was east williamsburg for the longest time um. and then when bushwick became a thing it's like oh it's bushwick actually. who names these things like real, real estate what's people. a bushwick oh i don't know that's something for why do they name it something cool like stellar keller (laughs) like why i would live in stellar keller over dumbo you could buy the area when you become rich and famous that's what i was thinking change it to your name yep change it to whatever you want change it to manifestation Mm -hmm. nation (laughs) (laughs) so uh thanks so much for 
talking to me? Of course. This is awesome. Yeah. I like hearing the sound of my voice. So uh-huh. anything. And we, we, I feel like we missed, we missed a bunch. Like we didn't talk about you going to Spain. We didn't oh, talk yeah. about you being in Thailand. It's because I jump around so much. I am just a wealth of experience and also adrenaline. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just, I'll come back. Okay. We'll get to that. We won't popcorn. We'll have a, we'll have a, a map of where the conversation is going and we'll stick to the roadmap. Okay. I doubt that'll happen. I know. Like, I know it's not going to happen. <laughs> I can't even read maps. Let's be real. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, no, thanks. Yeah.